Game Quest is brought to you by Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies for a variety of ailments. You can visit one of the four locations located in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and the newest location in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike across from the Trader Joe's. Smoky Mountain Organics features the best brands and CBD products, bath and body care items, organic teas, and have the largest selection of plant therapy, essential oils in Tennessee, plus many more items. Now, being new to VolQuest, I want to start it off the right way. So if you go to any of their in-store locations and mention you're a Vol fan and mention VolQuest, they're going to give you 15% off your total purchase price. That's 15% off your total purchase price if you mention VolQuest at any of the in-store four locations. Your game quest for Alabama, it starts now. It's another game day for Tennessee football and first-year head coach Josh Heupel. Get in the know with Game Quest, a VolQuest pregame podcast with Ben McKee and Eric Kane. Game Quest starts now. Welcome into your Game Quest Alabama edition. I am Eric Kane alongside Ben McKee. It is the technically it's going to be the fourth Saturday in October, but the third Saturday in October here. Uh, another year, and it's it's a game, Ben, that I want to start us off by something you wrote about a couple of days ago. It's a game that means a whole lot to a whole lot of people. Um, it's a rivalry game, and this is one that all Tennessee fans are going to get up for uh, here later today. Happy game day, friend. It is. Happy game day to you. It is a, a very significant football game. It, it'll always be a very significant football game in my mind. And I, I don't really care what the the streak is one way or the other. Uh, I've I've talked about it here on the podcast. You and I did going into the Florida game. And that is that, in my opinion, uh, a rivalry is derived from dislike and hate, sour feelings uh, for one another. It's it's not based off of the the on-field record against another team I, I recognize that the the on-field product alters the the game impacts the game uh, if if Tennessee was winning and, and pulling its uh, weight in this rivalry then then we would be getting ready for one heck of a football game tonight but because Alabama has won 14 in a row and Tennessee's football program is is rebuilding under Josh Heupel, it, it's not where it should be. But, Eric, this game will always have a lot of meaning to a whole lot of people, and I know it's it's been tampered down, and people want to talk about the game as if it, if, as if it doesn't mean a lot, but it, it does mean a lot at the end of the day, no, no matter what the record is on, on either side, no matter how many have been won in a row by either side. I, I don't recall Alabama fans saying that this game didn't matter when they had lost seven in a row or when they had lost eight out of 12 or, or 10 out of 12 uh, prior to going on its 14-game winning streak. I've lived in both states. I went to high school in Alabama, lived in Alabama for six years. Traitor. I've lived in Knoxville now for six years. Alabama fans, even when Tennessee was not putting up a, a, a ton of fight, they still care about this football game because they do not like Tennessee. They hate Tennessee. And it's it's the same way on this end as well. Tennessee fans hate Alabama. So this this game will always mean a lot. And it's a it's a very important game on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, both head coaches you know said as much earlier this week on the SEC teleconference. 
Uh, Josh Heupel doubled down in his Thursday press conference. I think he even said it on, on ball calls as well, that uh, this is a rivalry game. Nick Saban essentially said it, it means a whole lot to a whole lot of people. So it's definitely a rivalry game. And I mean, this will be the 104th time these two teams have met. Uh, you know, Tennessee, of course, any way you look at it, draws the short end of the stick, having the, uh, the permanent crossover opponent being Alabama right now during this Nick Saban era when they've, when they've just gone crazy. And so it kind of is what it is, but uh, no love lost between these two fan bases, certainly. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a, a hard hitting, uh, impactful football game here tonight. And, and Ben, it's one where Tennessee comes in. I think the line on most books opened earlier in the week and it's climbed since uh, having the volunteers as 25 point underdogs heading in uh, to Alabama. I think we need to start off with you know, who's going to be out there for Tennessee because it's kind of hard to you know, talk about a game, what you can and can't do well to try to impact uh, the final outcome without knowing who all is going to be available for for your football team. And it, it, this is something we spoke on at nauseum. We've wrote about it. We talked about it on our radio shows. I mean, Tennessee has a depth problem, and and that's just you know lack of talent, but also you know, players leaving via the transfer portal and stuff like that in the offseason. Tennessee just doesn't have depth right now, and you're seeing it on the offensive line. You're seeing it at running back. I mean, outside of D. Beckwith that is you know not played running back at all this year, I don't think Tennessee has a 100% healthy running back right now. You're seeing that a little bit on the defensive line. You've seen it in the secondary in weeks past. But uh, heading into this Alabama game, everybody wants to know about Hendon Hooker. It appears that you know, he is trending significantly in the right direction. He's been at practice. He's been out there. Uh, he has not been downgraded by any stretch of the imagination while at practice this week. It's a it's a contusion. Um, it's no no torn ligaments or anything like that. So then I think if if he you know does well in pregame warmups, I expect Hendon Hooker to be out there playing today. But it's not a guarantee. But it looks like it's trending very heavily in that favor. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It, it sounds to me like Hendon is going to play, and I I don't know for fact one way or the other. Let, let's get that out of the way. But I think Brent and Austin have done a good good job of detailing his status for the game this week on Tuesday. Austin and Brent shared on on the two minute drill that. Hendon had done more in practice than anticipated. And then yesterday on the two-minute drill, or Thursday, I should say, uh, they detailed that his his reps, his snaps, his participation in practice had not tailed off. So he, he did way more than Tennessee was expecting on Tuesday, practiced a good bit on Tuesday, and that was the case for the rest of the week. And I, I think personally that tells you all you need to know. I, I don't think that if if – Hendon were not going to play in this game, then he would not be practicing as much as he did. And the important thing here is that it, it's 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 a bruise. It, it's a bruise. That that's what this injury is. It's it's nothing structural. It, it's a case of his knee being jammed into the ground towards the end of that Ole Miss game, just in an awkward manner. And I believe he had somebody pulling him to the ground, and he had somebody landing on top of him to further the impact with his knee going into the ground and him walking off the field and not being able to put weight on it was, was worse than what it looked like, which is Those obviously things, great they, news for Tennessee. Yeah. They, they sting too. Like, especially in the, in the moment when you get it, him not putting weight on it probably is a factor of like, it, it's, it hurts obviously, but it, it, it's kind of a weird, it, the only thing that comes to mind is it stings and it's it's not a good feeling. So it's not like um, a lot of the other injuries with Tennessee to where Jabari small in the shoulder, you know, Evans in the ankle or uh, Evans and his injury and, and Kate and his injury and Cooper and his injury to where you can go out there and re-aggravate it and stuff like that. You can't re-aggravate a bruise. And so I think that's 
uh, the key thing here. It looks like Cade Mays is likely not to be a go. Um, looks like Cooper Mays could very well be back um, for the first time in quite some time. I think that'll help. Uh, Tyon Evans very much in question. We'll have to see about that. But uh, overall, this Tennessee offense, a lot of injury concern, still capable of putting up some points, of course, running tempo. Um, it's, it's enough to shock any defense initially out of the gate. But this defense, Ben, it's a good one. I mean, you look at uh, points per game, only giving up 20 points. Total defense, second in the SEC, 17th in the country at just over 300 yards. Uh, the rush defense is really good, just 90.3 yards per game given up. That's second to Georgia in the conference. Georgia's on another level. And then uh, top 10 in the country. Um, that defensive front, Fedarian Mathis, uh, you know, DJ Clark, you know, Byron Young are, are, are really good. Will Anderson off the edge, seven sacks. He might be their best player. It's going to be a challenge either way. If you know, if if Hendon's out there, if, if Tyon's out there, if Cooper's out there, whoever's out there, it'll be a challenge either way. It's a it's a defense playing some good ball. It is, and I do want to point out that Elijah Simmons is is trending in a good direction as well as he battles his ankle injury. Was able to practice a, a good bit, but I, I want to circle back to the Cade Mays update and the unlikelihood that he plays tonight. That that to me. I hate to put it on one person, and it's not Kate's fault, obviously, but I think that development is is going to play a large, large, large role in tonight's game. I, I don't think it can be stated enough how big of a development that is because Cade is Tennessee's best offensive lineman, no bones about it, and Alabama has the best pass rusher in the entire country, not, not just the SEC, but in the entire country, I believe he's second in the nation in sacks with with five. I believe it is uh, his second or uh, his, his, or his seven sacks <laughs> uh, and then tackles for loss. Kane can fill us in on the stats. He, he's up there in TFLs as well. Uh, he, he's just 15, a ball. 15 tackles for loss for Will. That's Anderson. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 is stupid. And I don't know uh, how much Alabama you've been able to watch this week, Kane. Uh, so maybe you can speak to it better than I can. Uh, I, I don't know where Will Anderson lines up 100% of the time. I, I don't know how much they move around, uh, move him around. I don't, I don't know how much he lines up over the left tackle, over the right tackle. But if if I'm Nick Saban, and I guarantee you he is, it's not a question of if Nick Saban will do it. He will do this. He's going to have Will Anderson lined up on Dane Davis or, or Jeremiah Crawford. And yeah. you saw Cade Mays go out of the game. Uh, just three, four plays in against Ole Miss. And for most of the, the first half, Tennessee struggled in, in pass pro, in the running game, uh, to, to open up lanes, to, uh, to protect Hendon Hooker, and uh, struggled with communication in terms of picking up blitz blitzes. There, there were two times in which Ole Miss overloaded the right side of the line, and um, Jabari Small, Dane Davis, and, and Spragans had some – sort of miscommunication uh, in which a guy came free both times. And on one occasion, it looked like Dane Davis blocked down and he, he should have kept with the outside guy and allowed Jabari to, to take uh, the, the rusher. And it just didn't happen. And Hinton Hooker got blown up. So uh, I, I hate to, again, put the entire game on one development like Cade Mays probably not being able to play. But that's how significant of an injury – and unfortunate luck, I think this is for Tennessee because you saw the offense get bogged down without him against Ole Miss, and now you have Will Anderson, the best pass rusher in the country on the other side, uh, along with several 
other talented players. I, I I just have a hard time seeing Tennessee being able to move the football, even if Hendon is in there without Cade Mays in this football game. Yeah, and um, yeah, he'll he'll flip around a little bit. I uh, I like you. I don't know which side he primarily lines up on the majority of the time, but those those positions are interchangeable. And when you have a good coach, you find a weakness, you you exploit it, and and that's what's going to happen. So I'm with you there. Um, you know, Dane Davis, Jeremiah Crawford, whoever gets the bulk of the snaps over there, right tackle. And this is why earlier in the season, I mean, it's obvious that you know Tennessee's been trying to get Jeremiah Crawford ready to roll for this situation or the potential for playing him a right tackle and sliding Cade Mays down. So I, I continue to go back to the Missouri game when De- when Jeremiah Crawford was playing left tackle uh, to the Tennessee Tech game a little bit when Jeremiah Crawford was playing left tackle. It's like you, those were valuable reps when, and I know it was blowout wins and all that type of stuff. You're just trying to get your backup offensive line, but those were valuable uh, reps and games that were already gone to where you could really have gotten Jeremiah Crawford a lot of run at a position. And it, it was, I mean, unless obviously Darnell Wright was to get injured, uh, you know, left tackle was never the, the long-term picture here. It was always going to be right tackle, then doing something with Cade. Um, it could have prepared him potentially for this moment more, but you know, Dane Davis got those reps and Dane Davis um, will, will, likely play a lot of snaps tomorrow right tackle as well so it'll be interesting but you're right um you know will anderson he's he's a phenomenal player tfl machine he's he's their best pass rusher and i I fully expect saban to line him up on that position and and try to exploit it but you know it's not just will anderson of course we all know about henry 1212 you know i alabama's on national television so much i've caught a lot of alabama games this year and I mean, you know, without studying it and breaking it down, I mean, I think Henry T just looks a little different. You know, Henry T here was a TFL machine. I mean, he was. He was, like, living in the backfield. Um, You know, it's a little bit of a different scheme. I get that. But he only has two and a half tackles for loss this year, which shocked me. He's he's leading Alabama in tackles with 54, but it's not like he's playing bad at all. Nick Saban was very complimentary of him this week. But uh, looks to be a little different, Henry T, and – of course, you have Christian Harris there as well. So across the board, the front seven, really solid for Alabama. And then you extend it on to the secondary. They play a lot of guys in the secondary. Uh, of course, Jordan Battle is probably their best guy. But um, you know, I'm counting seven guys that I wrote down that have significant stats and uh, in the secondary. And six of those guys have at least one interception. So it's a uh, it's a takeaway defense. They've tallied 12 on the year, 10 interceptions. Very aggressive, and obviously, it's very typical of what. An, an Alabama defense is. Is this the dominant Alabama defense that we've seen in years past? No, it's not like Georgia this year, but again, it's it's really, really good. And when you couple that with the inconsistencies at times that comes with this type of offense, plus the injury concerns, you know, it it could be an uphill battle for a lot of uh, a lot of the game tonight. But still, this offense it can it can still gash anybody at any time. It's just about you know if you hit it and you exploit those weaknesses in the defense. Unfortunately, there's just not too many of them. It seems like Henry T is being asked to do different things at Alabama than than he was at Tennessee. It seems like when he was here in Knoxville, he was asked to not only make all those plays in the backfield that you alluded to, Eric, but also make sure that everybody was lined up the way that they're supposed to be lined up. He he had a he was wearing a lot of hats and, and had a lot of responsibilities. Whereas now at Alabama, because there is so much talent spread across the field, his not literally his only responsibility, but the thing that Alabama's coaches, and I've heard Nick Saban talk about this, the thing that they care most about him doing is getting everybody lined up correctly. Yep. And, and that is 
what they want him to focus on and everything after that or everything that else that he adds is, is kind of like a cherry on top. He he is the, the quarterback of the defense for Alabama. I, I know that it is not music to the ears of, of Tennessee fans, and I get it. Uh, Henry T playing at Alabama after playing at Tennessee is a, an off-season conversation that we had plenty of times on the Swain event. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of transferring to a rival uh, and, and leaving your brothers and, and so on and so forth. Again, that's a whole separate conversation. But yeah. uh, Henry T is is that quarterback of the Alabama defense. And uh, Nick Saban has said specifically that at times he's gotten himself into trouble because he tries to do too much. He, he tries too hard to make sure his his teammates are lined up correctly. And he's too busy getting guys lined up when the ball is being snapped. And now he's out of place to where he can get in the backfield and, and, and make a tackle for a loss. So uh, that, that's obviously, you, you know, it's, it's, it's a good flaw to work on if you're Henry, because yes, that's a flaw, but that's not like a, a bad flaw. You know, that, no. that's something that you can easily work on. But on the flip side of that, I think that's something that Tennessee can possibly take advantage of because when Alabama's defense has struggled against the run this year, uh, Florida game, Texas A&M, it's been because of, pretty much that reason, not all Henry T, but with Alabama's defense not being lined up correctly, uh, not shooting the right gaps, not playing um, the correct passing lanes, which has allowed some quarterbacks to get out and, and make some plays. So if if Alabama is out of sorts, and, and when I say out of sorts, I'm referring to being mentally locked into the game plan, which they have been inconsistent with throughout this season, even on offense. Go back and look at Bryce Young in the A&M game, missed – Missed several things, but defensively, I think Tennessee can really take advantage of that if Alabama isn't all the way locked in. And honestly, I I think they can take advantage of it if Alabama, quote, is locked in uh, to play because Tennessee's a a good rushing team and Alabama has to take into consideration Hendon Hooker, assuming that he plays. And here's a double edged sword for you, Eric. I I don't really know how you handle this if you're Josh Heupel. You you have to run Hendon Hooker this game. Have to the the offense, but <laughs> does not operate without a running quarterback. Correct, but Hendon Hooker's coming off of an injury that nearly cost him his availability for this game. Tyon Evans is banged up. You're without your best offensive lineman. That's a double edged sword that I'm I'm glad I don't have to navigate. Two things real quick. I, one play that I love. I love every time Tennessee runs this play. It's gone for. Uh, scores of 92 and 45 already with Evans this year. Just that inside trap, man. You've got – you're going straight up the the guard's butt on the right side, essentially. You've got tackle and guard blocking down on the right side, backside guard pulling and kicking out, Ollie Lane doing a nice job, and Evans taking the handoff and going straight up the field. I think Tennessee, I think that's a play that it could really, you know, really benefit. And it sounds crazy because, again, you're running right at Fedarian Mathis. <laughs> but um, if you can get that big boy blocked down, you know, I, I think that's a play that could potentially gash Alabama like it gashed uh, the likes of Missouri. I know Alabama's better than Missouri, but still. Um, so I like that one. But, you know, back to your point you just brought up. Man, it, it's been an internal battle for me um, all week long because I'm not a coach. Um, I, you know, I love the game. I was around the game. I never thought I'd be a coach. That's why I kind of like what we do now. Uh, I guess I'm too critical. Um, but you know, if I am Josh Hype, well, I'm sitting here saying, and again, you never want, that's why people say, oh, they're tanking, oh, they're tanking, not Tennessee, just in general. Oh, they're tanking for a draft pick. They're tanking for a lottery pick, whatever. 
I believe a front office, especially in baseball, can you know formulate a, a team to where it wants, bring up prospects and all that stuff to towards the end of the season when they get when the season's a loss. In football, you're never going out there and tanking a game. You get hurt, you get injured in football when you try to go out there and not play full speed. So I mean, point is, Josh Heupel's never going to roll over and just say, "Oh well, it's Alabama; it's going to be a loss." Josh Heupel's going to coach to win this football game. I believe Josh Heupel will play every player available in this football game if they can go. But here's my dilemma. I mean, if it's me, I understand it is Alabama. Um, I understand you have an off week coming up, and then you got Kentucky. So that's the, you know, and to your point, you've got to run Hendon Hooker because this offense does not operate without a mobile quarterback. So, you know, if Hendon Hooker's playing today, you're going full speed. You're running 20 times. I mean, he's got to be a big part of that offense. But if you rest him, he's fully ready to go against Kentucky. If you rest Cooper, if you rest Kate, if you rest Tyon, they're fully ready to go against Kentucky. Now, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, that's probably where the answer lies. And I think that's what we're going to see tonight. But that's been my struggle all week long. And again, I'm just glad I'm not a coach having to make those decisions because logically it would make sense to rest some of those guys. But at the end of the day, you're you're a football team, you're a football player, you're never going to back out. So I, I don't know where you come in on that. It, it's just that's been something I've been fighting with all week long. And understandably so. I, I don't think your your thought process is wrong, but I do think I do take the thought process of of pushing all the chips into the middle of the table. Um, and I think Josh Heupel, in fact, I know Josh Heupel feels that same way. To and where, I think that's that's the right way to go. I mean, it, it, yes. at the end of the day, it's the right way to go. Absolutely. And Josh Heupel thinks exactly that. Like, hey, I, I'm going to try to scheme up some things so I can get Javante Payton deep and, and score some early touchdowns and put a little pressure on Alabama. Because I, I'll say this. Tennessee is playing better football going into this football game than Texas A&M was playing going into their game with Alabama. Yep. Now, as I wrote in my prediction piece that is on the site yesterday, um, I would feel better about saying that if Tennessee were healthier and Cade Mays was going to be available. We still don't know. But if if I knew he was going to be available, I'd feel even better about what I just said. If Hendon Hooker wasn't being – or was – uh, was not coming off an injury, and we weren't having a conversation about, hey, how much do you run him? I'd feel better about that. Uh, if Tyon Evans, who Nick Saban this week called him the best player on Tennessee's offense, I would feel better about what I just said. Um, so it, it really creates quite the 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 the, the dilemma because you don't want to just give a game away just for mm-hmm. the sake of building up to to go beat Kentucky. No, you want to beat freaking Alabama. What would it mean for this program if Josh Heupel could pull off this upset? I mean, it be would massive. be absolutely huge. And not, and not only that, but then you essentially knock Alabama out of the playoff hunt. I mean, it'd just be the domino effect. I mean, the Josh Heupel statue would be built in front of Neyland Stadium before Already. he even got back to Knoxville. Fans would absolutely adore him. So uh, I love that Josh Heupel is, is putting all his chips in the middle of the table because there's been some coaches in the past who probably would have taken the week off. And the last thing I'll add, Eric, is it's it's a fine line of trying to win this football game, but also making sure you don't impact the rest of your season. For the guys who are dealing with injuries, if if you feel like playing them puts them in harm's way to, to further injure themselves or, or further cost them their season, then no, you absolutely don't 
let them play in this game as if it were a if it were a Super Bowl. Okay, yeah. Cade Mays would be out there playing, but this isn't the freaking Super Bowl. There, there's still other goals that Tennessee can obtain down the road. You don't expose him to to further injury. But if it's Hendon Hooker who's just dealing with a bruise and it's more of a pain tolerance thing and whatever, then yeah, you play him. So it's a fine line of, of the coaches being responsible and not putting the injured players or the people who are battling injuries in further risk to, to extend their injury. Plus, I mean, you you can't fool a locker room, right? Just like when, when there's a quarterback battle or whatever, I mean, your locker room knows who the best option is. And I, I and people and players that I've spoken to, they in preseason, they knew, hey, Joe Milton is our best option right now. You can't fool them. Um, and so if you are sitting a player that can go and can contribute and can help you, you know, what type of message is that sending to the locker room? So again, there's so many different things you got to analyze. And again, that's why coaches get paid the big bucks and uh we we don't. <laughs> so um, it's just kind of weird whenever you whenever you think about all that. Was it Henry Ruggs? Who was it that um, got hurt and came back in the national championship game and played? Jalen Waddle. It was Waddle. It was Waddle. It was Waddle. Yeah, um, got hurt in the Tennessee game, came back in the national championship, and everybody on social media is saying, "Hey, love your guts, but you're you're about to screw yourself out of millions of dollars," you know. And he didn't. Um, but you know that that's again, it's the national championship. You know, that's when okay, if I'm at sixty five percent. I'm going out there and I'm playing because it is the national championship. So I think that's kind of difference there. Uh, look at Alabama's offense, Ben. Second straight week, Tennessee's defense. And let me just say, I think Tennessee's defense played well. Yes, I understand Matt Corral ran all over the place. They struggled defending the draw. The majority of those were draws. Uh, Matt Corral ran for seven first downs on third or fourth down plays. Um, Tennessee didn't have an answer. And, and again, that killed Tennessee. So I recognize that. But overall, but Tennessee played very well defensively and, and battled their tail off. But for the second straight week, Tennessee's going to have to go up against a, a Heisman hopeful. And, and, and Bryce Young, the sophomore, 69% of his passes completes. That's pretty nice there. 2,082 yards, 24 touchdowns, and three interceptions. Uh, he's a really good quarterback. Dual threat, but not as mobile as Matt Corral. More of a pocket passer. Brian Robinson has waited his turn. He's now leading that backfield. 10 total touchdowns. Uh, from the uh, tailback position, of course, you got Mechie coming back at wide receiver, but really it's Jameson Williams who's kind of been leading that bunch. He's the deep threat, 20 yards per reception. He has six touchdowns, nearly 600 yards receiving. Got two tight ends that play very, very well, and and um, Billingsley and Latou. Latou has 10 receptions, five touchdowns. Talk about efficiency there. So is it the rugs the smiths the the judys and the the harrises and the tuas and the mac jones no but still this alabama team's got a lot of playmakers and that comes with winning a lot of football games and and dominating recruiting yeah it's gonna be a tall test for tim banks's defense and i agree with you i, I thought tennessee played fairly well uh, against ole miss defensively and, and Let's remember that we are saying that based off of our perceived expectation of what this defense is. It's it's never a good night defensively when you allow a quarterback to to run for two hundred yards. But I, I do think Tennessee did a lot of a lot of great things, and Matt Corral's ability to run the football on Saturday night was a byproduct of what I felt was pretty good coverage for for most of the night, and it opened up some rushing lanes for him and. Matt Corral was able to take advantage of it. And I also think that Tim Banks went with the approach of, hey, 
let's 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 drop guys in coverage and let's see if Matt Corral takes what the defense is is going to give him because in the past when Matt Corral has struggled it's been because he did not take what the defense was giving him in that Arkansas game last year when he threw six interceptions Barry Odom the defensive coordinator at Arkansas rushed three practically all night and dropped eight in coverage and Matt Corral just refused to take what the defense was was giving him and that was just easy stuff out of the backfield to backs he wanted to force the ball down the field and and make big plays so I think Tim Banks uh, he wasn't that drastic but he he, I I do think he went with that approach because when I went back and and tallied I mean they were they brought four 60 percent of the time I mean it was a four-man rush 60 percent of the time and, and they weren't super aggressive with blitzes because I don't I don't think that they wanted to get caught out of place on the back end, and and Matt Corral hurt them that way. Didn't see as many twists in this game, and that's something Tennessee yeah. with the with the ends and Byron Young and, and Tyler Barron looping back, you know, and the D tackles mm-hmm. going out, looping back under, and that would have been something I would have loved to see go up against some of those draws. It's a passing situation, third and fourth down. They've been gashing you on the draw, and that twist, you know, seemingly would have put Byron Young right there to take the ball or right there at the line of scrimmage. So. I, I'm I'm uh I'm curious why they they went away from that this week where they've been so aggressive with that um in weeks past but nonetheless um it's uh, and, and again too on the draw and then we can move on uh Jeremy Banks for the majority of the time Jeremy Banks played it the right way um at least from 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 how I was taught you go up and you got to take on the blocker it was pretty much the center you got to take him on head on get extension it's a tough play, and then be able to shed, go one way or the other, make him make an option, and then go and try to make a play. Jeremy Banks did that. It's just he didn't make the play. It's why it's so tough. I thought Aaron Beasley overran it at times. And uh, Tennessee did a good job of shedding, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tennessee tried to attack it with, uh, with with man coverage and blitzing one and the other one keying on him too. So regardless, uh, it won't be like that challenge, in my opinion, tonight. But but, uh, but I wonder if get him. I wonder if they take the same approach. I wonder if they take the same approach. And I was going to add, I thought it was real nifty by Lane Kiffin, Jeff Levy, to also bring a receiver, bring bring the back in motion and kind of leak them up the middle of the field and allow them to serve as a lead blocker yeah. as as well. I thought that was interesting. I'd never really seen that before. Maybe I didn't play, pay close enough attention, but I've never really seen a, a running back or a receiver be a lead blocker for a quarterback draw up the middle. That's That's pretty nifty. Right there, but in terms of Matt Corral, because he has he has aged and grown and played a lot of football, he's learned and accepted and is now okay with taking what the defense is giving him. Will Bryce Young do the same thing uh, against A and M? He did not. He he kept trying to go for the big play. So I wonder if we see something similar in terms of approach of of since Bryce Young is a younger quarterback trying to see if he will take what the defense is giving him instead of forcing the football down the field. One thing is for sure, the um, the bye week, thank God it's next week, right? I mean, Tennessee needs days off in the worst way. Um, and, and then again, you have just a huge, huge game against Kentucky at Kroger Field, you know, coming back next Saturday or so, or two Saturdays from now. So um, it's going to be important. And you don't want to just try to get through this game. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, you're going to go down there and, and give it everything you have and and see what happens. I mean, and again, I've, I've said this all week too, and it's so simplistic, but I mean, I feel like it rains true. Um, 
when you have an offense that's capable of moving the football and putting up points, and when your offense is clicking, I mean, it gives you a chance. I mean, with Jeremy Pruitt and Jim Chaney's offense the last couple of years, when you go into games like this against Alabama, it's just like, I mean, can you get a first down? Can you string together two first downs? Can I mean, it, it was just so slow moving and, and all that. But, I mean, this offense is capable of, of doing that in a hurry. I mean, you saw that against Ole Miss at the, at the end of the game. You get a three and out after all the fiasco and all the all the uh, debris and all that. And then you, you you get a good punt return. You move down the field, call a timeout, you get two shots. Um, you know, I, I can't see that offense doing that this time last year. So, um, you know, for you, I, I think, I mean, all of us picked Alabama to win this game. I mean, we're not we're not silly here. Not moral victories, but what would if you walked away from the stadium tonight? Tennessee's still a loser, but Tennessee did this well and this well and this well that could, you know, mean good things moving forward throughout the rest of the season. What are some of those things for you? What does Tennessee need to do well in this game to make it a football game in the fourth quarter and literally close that gap? Unlike what it did not do last year, even though Jeremy Pruitt said it did. Oh, Pruitt, what a week he's had. Um, I, I think Tennessee just needs to control what they can control. As simple and cliche as as that sounds, I, I think it'll be a, a step in the right direction. If against Alabama, it doesn't beat itself. If you lose this football game, let it be because Alabama's football program is in a better spot. They have more talent. They have more depth. Let, let it be those reasons a night game on the road, let it be those reasons that, that you lose this football game. Don't let it be because, you know, you had 10 to 15 penalties. Don't let it be because Jeremy Banks had a 15-yard personal foul that it's in the third quarter, you're down by two scores, and you, you, you force Tennessee to – or you force Alabama to punt, and you're going to get the ball back with a chance to make it a one-score game and then you commit a personal foul penalty and give Alabama a first down. Don't, do Don't let your like special teams make a tremendous blunder for the fifth straight week. So I was talking about this with one of my buddies uh, uh, yesterday morning. Tennessee special teams were dynamite the first three weeks of the season. Really gave them an advantage. Think about the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. game. The last four games, at least one time in the ball game, the special teams has made a critical error, whether that be a kickoff return for a touchdown, a muff punt, uh, penalties or something to give them uh, another chance. You got to get out of that mindset too. I mean, that kind of goes along with what you're saying. Don't beat yourself. And and so far the last four games, the special teams have been working against you. Yeah. And I, I do think the Valus month punt is a little bit different than the Missouri and South Carolina game because Missouri and South Carolina, that was a group effort. Whereas Carolina or uh, Ole Miss Valus is month punt. That was an Fair. individual effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, I, I think that's kind of a blimp on the radar for Valus, just a, an Agreed. unfortunate mistake. But your point remains, like, special teams has not been great over the last several weeks. And in this football game, to have any chance of, of upsetting Alabama, you have to play great on special teams. So uh, th- those are the things that I'll be looking for to see if Tennessee can handle. Uh, just no pre-snap penalties on, on offense. And also coinciding with the penalties and, and not beating yourself. You got to find a way to win the turnover margin. Year in, year out, Tennessee loses the turnover margin against Alabama. Since Nick Saban got there, I believe Tennessee has only won the turnover margin twice. 14 years, only won it twice. And that's very telling of of the streak. So 
Uh, you're going to have to find a way to force a turnover on defense, and I, I think it's going to take more than than one turnover to to be in a game against Alabama on the road at night. You're going to have to force mer- multiple, and then on, on offense, you can't turn the football over at all. You, you can't give Alabama free possession. So that, that's what I'm kind of looking at, Eric, is just controlling what they can control. If you get beat, let it be because – a walk-on offensive lineman gets gets beat by an elite an elite pass rusher, not because you, you go rogue at the goal line and try to do your own thing and and fumble and that completely changes the outcome of the game. Yeah, and uh, Josh Heupel spoke you know very highly. Of course, of course he would. He's not going to throw him under the bus or say anything negative about his own player. But Josh Heupel spoke very highly of Dane Davis earlier this week, saying that the team believes in him, the line believes in him, and he's been a, a great veteran presence. So if it is Dane Davis uh, gets a start or par- plays part of the time or whatever the case may be, um, y- y- you hope that it is that reason that you have an All-American, a future NFL player, beating a reserve offensive lineman and a former Juco offensive lineman that's been on campus for two months. Uh, you know, don't beat yourself. So for me, and this is why I love football as we're about to get into our bowl predictions. I love football so much because again, it's, it's just the basics, man. I mean, every single day you go and it's an individual, you go and do the same things every single day, because if you can't get the basics down, you can't get your footwork down, your punch down, your eyes in the right spot, you're going to get drilled every single week. And so again, for the, probably the, Eighth time, seventh time in a row this year, win the turnover margin. You've got to against a, 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 a an opponent like this uh, that's much better than you are. You've got to win it by two plus at least. Uh, you can't turn it over on, on offense for sure. And then the other thing I'm looking at, Ben, and uh, just really, I want to I want to see the streak stay alive. Tennessee has done exceptionally well against opposing running backs. I uh, that was kind of my angle earlier in the week in the press conferences. Opposing quarterbacks on the ground, not so much. Emory Jones and, and Matt Corral. But opposing running backs, Tennessee's done well. Uh, this will be one of the better ones it's seen so far, one of the better ones it'll see all year in, in uh, Brian Robinson. He is averaging right at 99.4 yards per game. Tennessee's yet to allow an opposing running back run for over 100 yards in a ball game. Can Tennessee keep that streak up? I'm intrigued. I think this will be a really, really good matchup, and I think um, – you know, Bryce Young's not going to get 100 yards on the ground. If you can hold Brian Robinson to less than 100, maybe around 60 or 70, 70 75, I think that'd be uh, pretty solid. And give yourself a chance uh, defensively to go and do some things uh, because that means you're you're not shutting down, but you're controlling, uh, you know, one area of the game for Alabama. So uh, that's something I'm looking at uh, as well. Also, Alabama's n- not nearly as aggressive on fourth downs as obviously Ole Miss was. They've just gone for it, uh, you know, on on nine times. But you know, get off on third downs. Alabama, fifty five percent of uh, of the time they're converting. Get off the field on third downs. Give yourself a chance to to get the football back. Bold prediction time. I have yet at the time of this recording right now. I don't know what I'm going to say, so I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> what if I don't know what I'm going to say? Well, we're uh, going to tap dance and figure it out together. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if this is the bold prediction that you're 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 looking for, but I, I'm going to say Tennessee covers. I, I I do, and I do think that that is a bold prediction given the injury situation. Mm-hmm. And I hope people are hearing me on that and don't run to the board and, and talk about me being negative. It's just the injury situation. I think is it's really going to hamper. Anyway. I know uh, it, it's really going to hamper 
Tennessee, uh, unfortunately. I just you, – you need Cade Mays this game. You need Tyon Evans. And, again, I, I don't know what Hypo does with the, the Hendon Hooker conundrum in terms of how much do you run him. That, that is something fascinating that I, I am looking forward to seeing how they manage. But that, that's those injuries that I just mentioned against Alabama is, is why I do think it is a bold prediction to say that Tennessee covers because you, you look on paper and, and, and you don't think that Tennessee should necessarily be in this football game. Maybe that's just me, but I, I just – the injuries are really – moving the needle for me this week as as you all can tell um but i think alabama kind of sleepwalks in this football game they are a younger bunch they are inexperienced in in the sense that they don't have a a ton of guys that have just started for years years and years and years because so many guys moved on from last year's team so um there there's been a sense of immaturity there there's there's been a sense of inconsistency there, both offensively and defensively. And I tell you what, they they sure did look good coming off the loss to AM last week against Mississippi State. They 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 silenced. Be, some be thankful you're playing Alabama this week and not last week because the, yes. I want to know the stat that the get right stat for Nick Saban. Boy, those games right after a loss don't want any part of it. Right, I I agree, and I think that is going to lend a helping hand to Tennessee in the sense of maybe there's a sense of, okay, we're back on track from Alabama and maybe not as great of a a sense of urgency. Tennessee's dealing with these injuries. Alabama views Tennessee as Tennessee, same old Tennessee. I I don't think that they come in with the proper mindset. I think Hendon Hooker is able to do some things with his legs and I'll say that Tennessee covers. I know you guys are listening and you're not watching us right now, but we're on Zoom and we can see each other. Ben, I see you got a nice little pin there, buddy. I do. I stole it from the football complex. We stole pins. We stole pins the other day from the football complex. That's one we're, we're, we're such thugs. Oh man, we're we're bad boys. All right, my bowl prediction, and um, that is a good pin, though. I mean, it really is. Uh, I'm going to say this, and maybe this is too bold, but it is what it is. Give me Tennessee for 200 yards rushing. All right, you, this is an Alabama team that holds opponents that on average bold. to 90 yards a game on the ground. But you look at Tennessee, and I understand the injury concerns of the backfield. You might not have Tyon Evans, but you'll have a couple of guys that will get a heavy dose of running. Your quarterback will run the football. Um, you know, it, I believe it, it should be Hendon Hooker tonight, but if it's Joe Milton, whoever, your quarterback will run the football because, again, that's that's just how this offense is. You've got to have a guy that's a threat running the football. So I was wanting to say one running back would have 100 yards, but I just I, I don't think that's going to be the case. But collectively, give me Tennessee for 200 yards rushing. I think that would be fantastic, fantastic against this Alabama defense. And obviously, if you're running for 200 yards against Alabama, you're moving the football, you're doing something right. And, um, you know, who knows? It may, maybe you're uh, leading in the scoreboard at one point or another in the football game. And, and they're in their uh, late in this football game, we'll have to see. But it is the third Saturday in October, a game that means so much to Tennessee fans. I went on a couple of radio stations down in Tuscaloosa and in Birmingham this week, and they said the same thing. They're like, hey, I know this series has been one-sided for quite some time, but this is our rivalry game every single year. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, yeah, so it's it's on both sides still. And as you pointed out earlier, I mean, it's, it's a streaky series 
14 right now for Alabama, longest in the series, obviously. But Ben, when we were growing up, it was all Tennessee. So um, enjoy the game. Hopefully, there'll be a lot to cheer about, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to chat it all uh, all about it tonight on the uh, the mini podcast. We'll have plenty of coverage coming from tonight's game. Myself, Eric Kane, Austin Price, Brent Hubbs will all be in attendance. We'll obviously have plenty of updates throughout the game and our game thread, plenty of content afterwards. Not as much of a, a heavy recruiting weekend like it, like it was against Ole Miss. I was going to say, sidebar real quick, we put out a story uh, uh, on the front page yesterday about Walter Nolan. Um, he's told us, now again, his recruitment's all over the map. It's going to change by the day. Disclaimer. Really? He told us that he is going to stop taking visits after his official at Tennessee on the 13th. So the plan is to be in A&M again, second time in three weeks this weekend, and then be at Tennessee for his official against Georgia on the 13th, and then he's done visiting. I thought that was a pretty big takeaway because it's it, you're giving Tennessee the last word, essentially. Now we'll see if it holds true, but something noteworthy in the Walter Nolan sweepstakes. Absolutely. I like where Tennessee is with Walter. That doesn't mean that I think he will – end up at Tennessee. Actually, I'll, I'll go out on a limb. I do think Walter ultimately ends up at Tennessee. Bold prediction time. Um, there you go. Yeah, that I don't I don't even know that it's that bold, to be honest with you. No, you're right. Um, but but when I say that I, I feel like Tennessee's in a, in a great spot, I, I that doesn't mean that if if he was picking the day, he would definitely pick Tennessee. I just think ultimately uh, staying close to home, I think some NIL opportunities that Tennessee is going to be able to offer Rodney Garner. I think his, his parents, especially his mom really uh, want him to be under, under Rodney Garner's wings. I think ultimately all of those factors went out. Uh, so, so that's why I, I say that I think ultimately Walter will pick um, Tennessee, but I, I emphasize that it's far from done. Yep. There's still a long ways to go. And as I mentioned on the board the other day, his, his recruitment goes with the win. So uh, that'll be fascinating to follow. And so will our coverage over at VolQuest for tonight's game. So be sure to stay locked in as always. Yep. VolQuest.com. And of course, this GameQuest podcast is brought to you by East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies for a variety of ailments. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. You can visit one of the four locations, Gatlinburg, Pitchin Forge, Sevierville, and the newest location in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike across the street from Trader Joe's. Smoky Mountain Organics features the best brands and CBD products, bath and body care items, organic teas, and have the largest selection of plant therapy essential oils in Tennessee, plus many, many more items. And when you go into one of the four in-store locations, mention VolQuest, they'll give you 15% off your total purchase price. Thanks to Smoky Mountain Organics for being a proud sponsor of Game Quest. For Ben McKee, I am Eric Kane. Enjoy this fourth Saturday in October, Tennessee and Alabama, and hang out with us all day long right here at VolQuest.com. You've been listening to Game Quest, a VolQuest pregame podcast with Ben McKee and Eric Kane. Stay dialed in to VolQuest.com for complete game day coverage. This has been GameQuest, a VolQuest production.